0: Success is about faster, better, bigger, richer. And so when we talk about having faith that moves mountains, they're the sort of mountains we really want to move. But what if the real power isn't in that place at all? What if the real power is when we're at our weakest and most vulnerable? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be with you again as today we take another look at your faith from a different perspective. And please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about my free daily devotional, Fresh. It's all about helping you to live out the only sort of faith that Jesus ever spoke about. The sort that's more than capable of new means. Power and Vulnerability seem like they're the opposite ends of the spectrum, don't they? It seems like that in the middle of this four-week series of programs called Having Faith That Moves Mountains, this notion of vulnerability just doesn't fit. I mean, faith is about confidence and faith is about winning and faith is about moving mountains, right? Surely. And yet yesterday we talked about vulnerability, this notion that either we can try to pull against God with our faith because it says we can have anything we want if we just believe. That's what Jesus said. Or we can pull in the same direction as him even when, especially when, God somehow wants to take us in a direction we don't want to go. You may have heard me talk about what we're going to talk about today before, but it kind of fits so well with this truth that when we're vulnerable in God's hands, that's when we discover the sort of power in our faith that moves mountains. It's about the 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness, nothing to eat, starving, and then just to top things off, the devil comes to tempt him. And the very first thing the devil tempts Jesus with is so eminently reasonable. He dangles this under Jesus' nose. Well, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread and feed yourself. What's that vulnerability all about? What's that temptation all about? What's it got to do with faith that moves mountains? It's in exploring those questions that we discover the sort of faith that truly moves mountains. One of the things that a man by the name of Doug Webster opened my eyes to when I listened to him speak and read his book Under the Radar was the intense vulnerability of Jesus himself. This Jesus who healed the sick, raised the dead, stilled the storms, just to name a few of his miracles. This man who more than any other had the sort of faith that moves mountains. Made himself so incredibly vulnerable. Have a listen to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Jesus came down from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Is that success or what? I mean, you you go to be baptized and you're coming up out of the water and the heavens open up and God speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God's saying something here. This Jesus, this son of God, is someone really special. And I tell you that if I was going to my baptism and that happened to me, I'd be thinking, wow, I have arrived. I've made it. I'm on a fast track to success in the kingdom of God. Everybody step aside. And if we were standing there watching this, watching Jesus come out of the water, seeing the heavens open up and hearing the voice of God speaking about Jesus, we'd be thinking, now this man is worth following. This is exactly the sort of man that you would want to appoint as the head of a dynamic, fast-growing, successful church. He's got all the outward trappings of success. We like things that, that look and taste and feel and smell of success. And when Jesus comes up out of that water, and the heavens open up and God speaks, he looks and feels and tastes and smells successful, doesn't he? But in God's plan, there is something more. This baptism of Jesus signalled the beginning of his public ministry. The first three decades of his life, he spent in a carpenter's shop in Nazareth. God wasn't in a hurry. And now he's about to be launched into public life. And we know the story. We know he had the most amazing, spectacular, powerful ministry And what a fitting ceremony, what a fitting rite of passage. Surely from here, from this spectacular baptism, he goes straight to preaching in the temple or or in one of the large synagogues. Surely from here, Jesus is on a fast track to success. But what happens immediately after this stunning baptism? Luke tells us in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, And when they were over, he was famished. I'd say he was starving. Some fast track. Jesus has this spectacular baptism, and now he goes straight into the wilderness experience to be tempted by the devil, to be starving and bedraggled and alone and, wait for it, vulnerable. This this baptism in the Jordan, I mean, you couldn't be further from the wilderness. Fresh flowing water in front of a good crowd, God shows up and anoints his son. But immediately following that, God himself leads Jesus into the wilderness to be hungry, desolate, weak, and alone, except for the devil who would tempt him. Some fast-track, some plan, God. What were you thinking? Again, Doug Webster in his book Under the Radar calls this the essential wilderness. The more I look at this vulnerable Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, the more I think he's absolutely spot on. I can't fault this logic as much as some days I wish I could. Again, Webster writes this, For all practical purposes, the fullness of the Spirit seems to mean releasing one's full potential, becoming the kind of person that everyone else wants to follow, being someone who makes things happen, competing to win, and being able to prove your success with the numbers. Many popular Christian writers on leadership don't even bother to distinguish between worldly success and spiritual success, because in their mind the two are virtually one of the same. But the contrast between the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan and those weeks in the wilderness couldn't be more stark. It's so counterintuitive that we should follow one with the other. It's so not what we would expect God to do. We expect success to follow success, each step upward, each step better than the last. But God has a different plan. A different template of success. And that one takes us so much deeper. The bit that I find amazing about Jesus' own wilderness experience is this. He was not led into the wilderness by the devil. It's so easy to skim read this passage and then remembering the the central role of the devil in this story. Imagine that somehow it was the devil's doing that found Jesus in the wilderness. No, let's take another look. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was God's idea. This was God's doing. In fact, Mark's gospel puts it this way. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Mark chapter 1, verse 12. Literally, the Spirit threw him out there. In other words, this wilderness was an essential wilderness. It was the choice, the sovereign choice of God at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, a deserted, lonely place, starving and weak, to be tempted by Satan. I, like Doug Webster, wonder whether, had we been interviewing for Messiahs that day, whether this bedraggled, vulnerable, unshaven, weak Jesus, who wandered out of the wilderness after 40 days, would even have made the shortlist. Yet it was this same Jesus, this very same one, who taught his disciples to have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart but believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. Same, Jesus. The Word of God is alive and active, amen, with the power to transform your life, to help you be all that God made you to be. And that's what the Fresh Daily Devotional is all about. It's completely free, and I'd love to send it to you. Or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed devotional if that works better for you. Again, that's freshdevotional.org or 1-300-722-415. My prayer is that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through the power of His Word. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again, same time tomorrow, with a different perspective.